0: Welcome to the Making It Podcast. I'm your host Kyler Miles and on this show we interview guests about their journey of making their dreams a reality. As cheesy as it may sound, it's the truth. And today I sit down with Troy Rice who is a keynote speaker, a mindset coach and a successful entrepreneur. We talk about everything from self-awareness to building confidence in yourself and to take action so that you can make your dreams a reality. Let's sit down with Troy and see what he has to say. Welcome to the Making It Podcast. I'm your host, Kyler Miles. Today, I have the amazing Troy Rice. Keynote speaker, entrepreneur, father of three, husband. I don't know how you do it all. <laughs> how are you doing, man?
1: Good, good. You know, the best that we can do in these times, for sure. Yeah.
0: Is How are you doing with those three kids? Are you homeschooling them or are they going to a private school, I believe you said last time?
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is because they're going to a private school, their schoolwork counts. So their teachers have been working diligently to create online programs uh, on the fly. And then providing assignments for us to homeschool. And so we're dabbling in the uh, parents' homeschooling uh, practices right now with work-life yeah. education. And even though I speak in schools, it's not the same. I mean, to, to, to teach a seven and a four-year-old at your kitchen table is definitely challenging.
0: Yeah. I know about you, but sometimes like you have to keep them on track. Like I have a 10 year old, right. And just one, I find is hard between the two of us, between my girlfriend and I and managing that. So uh, hats off to you uh, for having three.
1: Yeah. And I, I have to actually put uh, a lot of thanks to my wife because she's incredible at uh, coming up with different types of activities. I'm kind of like the specialist, I guess you would call it. Like I like to do all the crazy type learning uh activities but she's the one that really helps on the the math and the curriculum type stuff and she even built like this elaborate reward system thing with points mm. with kids to keep them engaged and yeah. uh, so she's she's doing an incredible job
0: yeah my girlfriend's in the same boat. She made this color-coded schedule by like the by the thirty minutes. Like okay, hour work, thirty minute break, hour work, thirty minute break until almost five o'clock. So it's like it, it's crazy. So yeah, hats off to them, honestly.
1: I mean, they, they need that they need that routine. You know, we always tr- think that we're trying to give them something different and that they think it's cool, mm-hmm. but most of the time, like they need that routine, especially yeah. as young.
0: Totally. Well, you know, to get some context, a lot of the times what I try to get out of this podcast is I try to inform, inspire and impact people through their stories. And what I've been doing so far, I've been sharing with my audience uh, kind of my story of becoming this creative, coming from a nine to five desk job in a sales environment, not super, super happy and then wound up discovering kind of like my purpose, my passion. And now I, I work, you know, after five o'clock, I'm still at my desk editing videos and doing all sorts of stuff. And it's, it brings me all this happiness. So, you know, maybe we could take a step back, introduce yourself a little bit and, and go back into a little bit of your process and, and why you think uh, this is a good fit.
1: Yeah. And so it didn't start with entrepreneurship for me. Um, I did the uh, corporate world for a long time. So uh, I like to back up to even my childhood because that's kind of what shaped my life. And I think sharing the perspectives of how I got to where I was and then where I'm at now actually started when I was a kid. And so when I was uh, in elementary school, I grew up with these huge uh, Coke bottle light glasses because when I was born, I had two lazy eyes and I couldn't see. And what happened was I was bullied a lot when I was a kid. I would Step onto a bus or in a school and have people uh, knock my glasses off my face, uh, call me names, step on them. And just imagine like a kid stepping onto a bus or in a school and not being able to see. Like my world was completely shifted upside down almost every day. I felt unsafe. And what's interesting is I soon realized that being bullied as a kid kind of helped me lead a life of validation. And what I mean by validation is. I would find any moment as a kid and even into my adulthood to feel safe in every moment, whether that means always doing something that somebody else tells you to do, always doing the best and the right thing, never really doing what you care about, but doing what appeases others. And so what I ended up doing is going on to uh, college and initially started communications, which is what I primarily do now. Um, But I got fearful at a one-on-one public speaking class, abandoned. And then because naturally somebody told me I was good at math when I was a kid, I went and got a finance degree, spent the better half of eight to 10 years in a finance and accounting uh, type role until I slowly got a glimpse of what I truly cared about, where I slid into a strategy analyst role and was building uh, culture programs for a $2 billion company. So we built a development program, a leadership development program, uh, work-life integration. So it was a company that uh, always mandated that people came into the office nine to five, sat at their desk, never worked from home. And so mm-hmm. we had to like, build the player mind, mindset and model um, and then pitch it to leadership to try to get them to think about even allowing people to work at home once a week. And so I had the opportunity to build a leadership foundation, really work on my skill sets, but Actually hit a point of depression. Um, and how that happened was I was getting up every day, going to work, and it wasn't even like I had mild, didn't have mild success. I did. Like I was making good money. I have an incredible family, like you mentioned. But at the end of the day, like I just felt unfulfilled. Like I was not living my life blueprint. Mm-hmm. And so one point, it just hit me super hard where my back was up against the wall and I completely had a breakdown. And I didn't know where I was going to move to next. And, you know, I, I, I credit my wife a lot for helping to uh, pick me up and dust me off. She's the uh, very direct style person that will tell you how it is. And that's yeah. why we're so good together. Uh, but she said, you, you have always said yes to everything. And saying yes and working hard has got you to where you are now. But I can tell that you're not happy. And when you're not happy, that it not only impacts you, but it impacts our family. And I can tell that your head's not in the right space sometimes when you're here. You're an incredible dad, but you just seem depressed. And I was. And so it took a moment of uh, time to myself for gratitude and meditation. And then writing out what I think my life would look like if I did something I loved every day. And basically designed my own blueprint. And what that looked and felt like was agriculture and education, agriculture, because my wife and I are extremely passionate about the food that our kids eat and ourselves. And we see how it's extremely difficult today with all the convenience around food to build poor habits, even in the home and at school. And I wanted to do my part and giving back and helping out. And so that's why we created this agriculture company that supports the uh, farming communities and running viable farms. And then the speaking is to go back and share my story, which I internalized for 20 years without talking about it. And what I talk about in schools is perspectives of bullying, which is if we could just ask better questions versus just disciplining and shunning and shutting out people when it comes to situations of bullying, if we could understand that the victim and the bully themselves both come from the same place, which is insecurity, then we can ask better questions to understand. And instead of building a life of validation for somebody that's a victim and building a life of validation for somebody that is a bully that is always trying to fit in or or try to grow in their journey after bullying, we can get better and understand what their uh, actual makeup is, their worldview. And the best story that I share in schools, and I think that resonates with most kids, is that when I was in elementary school, I was bullied by somebody that I actually ended up dating in high school. And that concept would seem just strange because you would think that I would completely distance myself, get angry, hatred, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Even having family and parents do the same thing towards that person and their family. And I ended up dating dating her because I knew she had a kind heart, that she wasn't born with, with an angry heart. And what I ended up finding out is she had a difficult home life. She had a dad that was verbally abusive and a mom that wasn't around as much. And because of that, she felt like uh, putting down others made her feel safe. And so I go into schools and talk about asking better questions. And then I couple that with habit change mixed with uh, leading with a growth mindset, which is truly designing your own life and finding out what your core values are and designing your life around that.
0: Wow, man. What an incredible journey, honestly. Like, I share the bully experience with you. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so I had troubles reading as a kid. And uh, at least what I remember, it wasn't as well known when I was growing up. So it was more like, Oh, he's just, you know, I got called stupid a lot and that really stuck with me. It was a chip on my shoulder. How do you think being bullied as a kid, not being able to see, how do you think that resulted in your success, you know, in the corporate setting? Like you talked about being a yes man. Do you think that internally you just wanted to be liked? Because I find that a lot of people, at least myself, that I'm uh, going down this like, kind of self-awareness journey in the process of me trying to make it. Is that why am I, I'm similar to you, always saying yes to these things that necessarily either not helping me, not benefiting me. Um, and it could help someone else by the same time not good for Kyler. You know, walk me through a little bit of that process. How do you think that uh, bullying shaped you and who you are today?
1: Yeah. And I would tell you that um, being bullied made me feel personally like I wanted to help everybody else not be a part of that situation. And so although I led a life of trying to fit in, um, I would be the guy that would be finding people that are also in the same situation and trying to lift them up. And I was actually fortunate enough that when I was younger, I was a good athlete and that kind of helped me with leverage, meaning people still looked up to me, whether I was picked on people about my glasses and my appearance, uh, people looked up to me as an athlete Mm -hmm. and I leveraged that and helped out um, other kids that maybe weren't athletic or were getting picked on to help build their spirits up and to influence those around me to see the change you can make when you help somebody. And what that looks like into the future is, an adult makeup that walks into a $2 billion company corporate office and figures out how I can create a culture and a vision for at that time, a place that I wanted to work in Mm -hmm. where the future was so bright that everybody walked into the office every day with their heads held high. They enjoyed the work that they did and they were appreciated for it. And then they left every day with a smile on their face because It is, it can be so draining on your own energy when you're walking into an office next to 10 people and every single one of them is looking down with their headphones in. And then when you have conversations (laughs) with them, they're sharing about how they don't enjoy what they do, how they, uh, maybe they're talking bad about coworkers. And I mean, if you're in that space, there's a lot of things that are going on, the things that you don't like in your life, whether it's truly a work related thing or it's at home. And Mm. so helping people as a kid helped me build a foundation of wanting to give back and help people, uh, in a corporate style setting as well. Mm -hmm. And what really changed for me and, you know, to your question about how we can get smarter about it is I never wanted to stop saying yes to helping people because I believe helping and giving back is powerful. What I truly wanted to do was understand, what is most valuable for me to focus my time on? Because when you are able to give your best self is when you're able to provide the most amount of value for somebody else. And if I'm saying yes to everything that don't necessarily align with ways that I could be my best self, then I'm actually doing a disservice than I am helping. And so what I started to do was peel back and figure out which arena is my best suited for helping out in. How I can bring the best value to the table, knowing that the value that they're going to receive is the most that they would uh, normally get from somebody that's 100% all in. Mm. How did
0: how did you become so self-aware? Of you know, you talked about even leveraging that you were an athlete, leveraging um, you know you always had saw that in people. It talked about the girlfriend in high school, even though she bullied you as a kid. You then saw that she had that kind heart. How did you become so self-aware within yourself? Because I know for me, that took, I'm just realizing now, you know, at my age, like all the the stuff that happened is still with me and I'm still going through that. I find that a lot of people are, you know, as they get older, they realize that more and more out of life. When was that moment for you? Was that in high school, in elementary school, in university? And how did you you know, train yourself to be self-aware?
1: I mean, self-awareness as a kid, um, you know, credit goes to my parents um, for handling situations in certain ways. The other interesting part is um, it's not a good thing to do without talking about it, but the concept of like taking pain and internalizing it to a certain point helps you reflect. Like sitting in your room and actually thinking about what just happened and then having to mirror that with what's happening in your life around you, even as a kid, I think kind of helped me think through what it would look like to maybe question or have be a little bit more curious, not necessarily go out there and like ask that bully out uh, to be my girlfriend at that young age, but at least be curious, you know, about what type of situation would cause that. But then being able to talk about it would be something that I would at least give advice for, uh, for people that do a lot of self-reflecting because I was somebody that took that pain and my parents would be ones that would say, all right, well, we're going to reach out to the teachers and do this and that. And I would be the kid that said, don't do anything. I don't want to cause any pain for anybody else. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to call the bus driver, the teacher. I don't want to even talk about it. And Mm. that's kind of how I led my life years and I don't advise that because what I ended up finding is like I would take all those feelings and according to I have a naturopath doctor in addition to a physician that basically told me that um, I had so much feeling and pain next to my heart and she couldn't tell me exactly where it was coming from but she could feel it and at that time I'm like well okay like what does this mean but It wasn't until I started opening up about bullying in schools and being vulnerable is when I started to have like actual like lifting feeling change in myself,
0: Hmm. and
1: it was when I actually started to value myself more, care about the things that I like more, um, not always wake up and say, you know, how can I do this for my boss today, or how can I make sure that um, somebody doesn't yell at me for something or that I don't get make a mistake. I started getting up and saying like what can I do that I love doing that's fun, and inspiring and I can Mm -hmm. hang out with my kids and I can question my boss and I can question things that I don't understand. And it all really started to happen when I first started sharing my feelings and just letting them out Mm. and uh, understanding awareness as an adult. I think the challenge here for most people, besides just talking about self-reflection is nowadays when we have time we choose to spend it on things that keep us engaged. Like back then it was boredom. And then we figured out what we could do with boredom, whether it was self-reflecting or we found something to do. Nowadays, I can literally grab my phone and get any type of information I want. I can go on my laptop or whatever I need. And so small and small and small scales of time uh, with this process of self-reflection is available to us because we build these habits of constantly engaging in something. And so it wasn't until I said, I'm going to truly dedicate time to myself, no phone, in a room, at least five minutes, don't know anything about meditation or practicing, but at least to sit there with my own thoughts mm. is when things started to change. And now I have a practice of doing that. I, I do uh, hot yoga in the morning that kind of kickstarts and keeps me uh, accountable for that. Awesome. Uh, it really changed, really changed my life.
0: Wow. Let's take, let's look back. So you're an entrepreneur, you focus on, again, uh, healthy eating, having a healthy life, and education. And you've how those things are a big part of your life, you and your family. Um, what advice do you give to these kids knowing that it stems from a lot of the times with uh, our audience is it starts when they're a kid, these chips on their shoulders that carry out through their adult life. So how do you, or let me backtrack. What do you say? What advice do you give to these kids to kickstart that journey, that process early um, in order so they can figure out what they're meant to do, figure out that purpose, that fulfillment?
1: Yeah. For- The one thing that I talk about that's coupled with any type of mindset practice, I mean, we could could throw around things like character and grit and gratitude and things like that, but the foundational level is habits. And what I mean by that is if you don't build in a good habit system, and by system, I mean we are uh, decent at, when we get older, we get decent at uh, developing goals, whether we have a coach or somebody that shows us what that looks like. What we struggle with is building a system building a system that's sustainable around habits. And so when I go and speak in, in schools, I talk about character building, but then I show examples of what character building looks like when I do it from a ha- habitual perspective. Like what are my daily habits that I do today at this age? And then what of those habits is a positive, negative, or neutral at a very basic level? And does it make sense to keep doing even a positive habit or a neutral habit and what that looks like to your life 5, 10, 15 years from now. And a funny story that I share around this too is like, so when I was a kid, um, I was borderline like addicted to cereal, right? I, I eat cereal every morning for breakfast, like Lucky Charms, you name it. Love and it. because of that, for 20 years, I would eat cereal for breakfast every morning. And then sometimes I even built in a habit of eating it before bed at night. And mm-hmm. imagine like when you're a kid, and you're super active, you eat sugary stuff like that, maybe it doesn't matter. But if you build a habit of doing that and then a uh, reward stimulus thing towards eating it, even at night for 20 years, I woke up one day in college and I was completely out of shape, completely worn down, no energy levels. And what happened was it took like my wife and I to do this one whole 30 program where you introduce all raw food and nothing processed. And then you introduce everything that you eat back in to understand how it impacts your body. And I learned that uh, dairy and, and more specifically milk ended up uh, causing me a lot of problems and digestive mm-hmm. problems. And you cut out milk, then all of a sudden cereal becomes uh, obsolete. And so I yeah. started eating less cereal. And then what's interesting that I share is, and this happens to all of us, we introduced almond milk in the fridge and all of a sudden I started eating cereal again because there was a substitute for it. And then I had to remove almond milk out of the fridge so I wouldn't revert back to my old habits. And so I share that story because it's something that people can jokingly relate about, like whether Mm -hmm. it's Pop-Tarts they eat in the morning, cereal, whatever it is. But what you do today at age 12 will actually impact your life as you go through your journey. And so – the exercise that I get them to understand where their, um, their best values are is I take them through this exercise where they understand um, two core values that they have, two whys related to those core values, and then at a basic level, a vision and fear. And basically it is, what do I care about in life, even if it's today? Why do I think I care about that? And then what would it look like to do something that's related to those things that I care about the rest of my life? And then the biggest piece is acknowledging that fear, because the number one reason why we choose to do nothing or we choose to not stick with it is because we're afraid. And the concept I walk through is like, if you want to be an entrepreneur and run your own business, then your initial thought could be, I need capital or I need money or uh, I know this particular piece of the business, but I don't know this skill. And so how would I be able to grow a business without that skill? I don't know marketing, but I can build something. And so what happens is is you you fixate on that and then you never move forward. Instead of saying, all right, I acknowledge my fear of growing in a skill set. I acknowledge my fear in potentially needing money to grow my business. By acknowledging that, then I can ask a better question, which is, I don't have that skill, but somebody else does. I don't have that money, but somebody else does. And all of a sudden, you start breaking down your fear into leveraging resources. And so... I walk through this entire model with them. Ultimately, they get to, if they want to, pursue it. The back part of that is building a goal system or a habit system around what it looks like to build towards that uh, designed life plan.
0: Wow. That's cool. You know, honestly, I'm writing some of this down because I I like what you said about building a system, right? We always hear about building habits, building, having goals, waking up and and journaling and and taking a cold bath or cold, you know, all these kind of hacks to help you hack life. You know, when the reality is you're putting in um, daily and weekly, like a system in place that is always continuous, never ending to make sure that you are able to do what you need to do and want to do.
1: Yeah. I, the one powerful example I can share is like, let's say you want to start exercising and uh, let's call it running. Um, Instead of saying, uh, I want to start running. So I'm going to set a goal and I want to run a one 5k in the next few months and I'm going to start building up to it. That's a goal. But what happens is if you set a goal just in that fashion, then you get to that goal and what happens is people achieve it and then you go back to nothing unless you're somebody that's truly driven and says, oh, so that was that was great. That felt good. I'm going to move on to a 10K. But most of us don't do that.
0: Mm. So the
1: best way to build a goal system would be to say, I want to become a runner. And you circle becoming a runner. And then the outskirts of that are the habits or goal systems that help support that, which is. Get runner, which means that I need to have my workout clothes in a way that is so easy for me to put on. I need to have my shoes right next to the door. So literally I have to trip over them if I choose not to run a certain day. I'm going to build in a habit of at least 10 minutes of running a day and then that might lead to a 5k or then a 10k or whatever. And so you have this web of all these different habit changes and goals that are s- subjective around running, the concept of running. And all of a sudden you wake up one day, six months to a year later and all of a sudden you're a runner and it's just a natural habit for you to get up and want to go for a run.
0: Let's jump into how you applied this with your life. You talked about how you went from the corporate setting right to your own business were you one that jumped right into it or did you build these habits around kind of like uh, on the side on free time like when did you do that or did you do this uh before jumping into it or did you learn this afterwards
1: afterwards uh and so I, what i like to share is i think there's like there's there's two mindsets out there right uh those that love to just jump right in, like leap right into entrepreneurship, whether it's you start right out of college, high school or whatever. And then the other aspect is um, how can I slowly launch into something? And if you have the opportunity to do that, I always offer um, advice to try that. And the reason that I offer that is it takes a mental tough person to jump completely into entrepreneurship, to building something from scratch, to running their own journey And then learning and growing at the same time, meaning I need to support myself while I'm trying to grow this business. Mm -hmm. And if you're a mental tough person, absolutely. Jump right into that, grow it, everything else. If you have something and you're afforded an opportunity to, like I did, which is I had flexibility in, in my day job. All I did was build this small plan. And it was so small and incremental that it allowed me to have at least a financial security to support my family because I'm the only one that, that that provides an income for our family five. I could get up every day, passionate to do the projects that I want for the future. Prioritize the long term me versus the short term me, and still get my day job done on time. And so, why I think that that was powerful is even a day job, not even just entrepreneurship. Sometimes we have all these things that we want to accomplish, right? We want to grow our business by this. We want to grow this project by this. We want to accomplish all these things so we can make more money. When you put all of that in front of you, it, it, it immediately makes you feel overwhelmed. So slowly launching into something will actually help you stay focused, which is I would wake up and I would say, all right, this is a long-term journey. I need to spend uh, the next year and a half learning. So I'm going to spend an hour a day or whatever, going out and driving to farms and learning from farmers. And then I'm just going to take notes and I'm going to learn and I'm not going to build anything. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm going to learn right now so that I can effectively build something and dedicate the time to that every day. I'm going to write, I'm going to start writing so that I can get out there and get my thoughts on paper, uh, be able to build a good brand, whatever that is. And so over two years of leveraging small, uh, short term decision and outcomes for long term vision, Mm -hmm. I was able to build something that was sustainable for me to be able to leave. And I understand not everybody is fortunate that be in that situation. And some people's jobs are are high, crazy, busy and everything. But at a moment where you have something that you identified that is part of your blueprint and something that you want to execute on every day, it gives you something to wake up for. And so even just a have a small task towards building something where you wake up every day and you're like, I can't wait to do that. Mm. You're on the right track because if you're waking up every day, thinking about how you want to do something different, then you truly need to decide whether you're making the right decision in your life right now, or you need to start making that change and that change might be small.
0: Mm -hmm. And for you, how, when was the breaking point? When did you, have the decision have the epiphany or like you said it was it was like 20 years you know in your head but when was the moment you decided that this is the day that I'm going to start this process to um, building my blueprint like uh, acting on my blueprint everything you're talking about when was that moment Um, how did you realize that
1: it took a couple of pushes Um, and so what that looks like is Uh, At the corporate job, um, although I was making good money and creating all these programs, um, I think a lot of people fall into this trap, which is if you work for a corporate company that has these uh, rating scales, these pay scales and everything, you get a number tag to you. And most of us know, inherently know that when we join a large, large organization, you become a piece of the pie, right? You become just a puzzle in a large scheme of things. Most companies are hierarchically so that you end up parting that, that journey. It took two pushes for me to kind of get to that breaking point. I had, like I had mentioned, I had been leading that, that life of like unfulfillment and depression, but I kept getting up every day and just putting in the grind and doing it until I had basically the company tell me the exact same thing two years in a row. First year was um, I created the uh, help lead the work life integration program impacting 700 employees um, and rating myself in this rating system of five because I felt like I made tremendous impact the organization and then to sit in a performance re- review with my manager and have him tell me that um, he doesn't really care about that kind of stuff and that that's not what my job is and that he doesn't know what a four and a five is to be able to give it. And I would just sit there and I'd be like, all right, there's naturally, you get mad and angry Mm -hmm. and frustrated. And I ended up storming out of the room and and blame and shame and all that was in play. Right. Mm -hmm. I move on to the next year, do even more, build a recognition program, a talent development program, get to the end of the year, Write my own job description, so I wrote a culture champion for the organization, and then I pitched it to the president and asked him to create the position because I was creating all these these programs, and then had him tell me that it's not a resource that the company is willing to spend on, mm. and that. They
0: care about. And so, I bet they would now. Year
1: one, under supported by. Management And then year two is at the very top level, basically telling me that uh, it's great that I'm willing to expand all this effort and in addition to my strategy analyst job, but I'm not willing to, do, to open this up for you. And then I did the same thing. I went through this shame and blame, like I can't believe the organizations do this. All the thing that I put in ultimately got to a point where I realized that it was me. And what I mean by that is, I was sitting in Florida on a vacation trip with my brother in law. And I look up to this guy because uh, he founded a company called Ad Thrive. And it's a, a company that focuses on helping uh, professional bloggers monetize their pages. Mm-hmm. And this is really good person, successful person, successful entrepreneur. And I was just sharing all my pains, blaming everything. And he said, why are you waking up every day waiting for somebody else to validate your life? Mm-hmm. It took me a minute and I sat down there and I just reflected for a second. And I'm like, he's right. The problem is me. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to get up every day and put in work, hoping that somebody's going to give me something. Then I'm doing myself a disservice. It's nothing mm-hmm. on the company. I need to get up and do something that I care about. Cause at the end of the day, what matters is the work that I put in mm-hmm. and the people that care about it. And how it makes me feel when I'm leading my life on my own terms. And at that point is when I started the practice of meditation gratitude. I started doing uh, whiteboarding designs of what what we initially launched. I know I mentioned earlier that we help uh, farms run viable businesses. What we initially launched, though, was an online farmer's market model in the state of Michigan. You could Mm -hmm. shop it similar to like Amazon, where you add farm food to your cart and then enjoy an express pickup uh, already prepared for you. And I just started doing those things. I started ideation around what I care about. I started speaking freely in schools. I started partnering with uh, Junior Achievement and uh, any other organizations that work with school systems and just giving free speeches and building up my network, getting better at speaking, getting better at being vulnerable. And over a time of two years, uh, built up to a business, hired two coaches, and now we are launching a brand new uh, robust global platform for Farmbridge that will
0: launch here in April mm-hmm That's incredible. I want to meet your brother-in law. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe I can I, bring him on the podcast
0: i I love I love what you just said. I love the journey, and you know, for me, it's similar. It wasn't a brother-in- law, but uh, for me, it was uh, Gary Vaynerchuk who talked about accountability, similar to what you talked about, and that you are accountable for your own happiness, your own success. And to your point, same thing, year after year performance review you know hitting my number or not it wasn't you know wasn't getting what I really wanted what I wanted out of it and uh, and same I, it took that point to leave and, and well it took me actually to move <laughs> across the country for me personally to realize that but that's incredible um, that moment in your life
1: and yeah, but- which, you know, for, for the both of us, it took some push, right? Um, to get us to that point. Why I talk in schools is because I'm hoping to inspire kids to not get to that point, And that the challenge that they should have in life is the challenges within their own design of their life. Like, how do I grow something that I care about? And what are the challenges associated with that in the marketplace for myself, uh, family, integration, things like that, but not going down a path that is not what they want for 10, 15 years, and then having to basically scrap everything and start from scratch. That's mm. that's what I don't want kids to do. And that's why I, I speak in school. Sometimes is sometimes as early as like fifth grade, uh, but wow. most important middle school and high schools, because uh, that's when they're starting to first realize uh, maybe a skill set they have or uh, something that they care about.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. As we're getting close to kind of the the end, I want to understand a little bit about what can what advice can you give people of today? They're listening to this podcast. They're wondering, okay, where do I start? How do I go from here? As an example, I'm in this desk job. Um, I'm quarantined. I'm not happy, but I know that I, I should be blessed that I have a job. What can I do? Where should I start? it's a It's a big question, but I feel like you have kind of the um, you've been through this process in your life, and what would you say to someone if it was me or just someone listening on where can they start and how can they go from here?
1: Yeah, for, first of all, um, you have to focus on what you can control. It starts there. and especially during this this time with the virus and everything, it's very easy for all of us, myself included to wake up and start to think about everything that's happening in the world, and then slowly slip into a mindset where you uh, focus on things you can't control, right? You can't control shutdowns. You can't control uh, mandated things with, with business and things like that, but you can control your own stuff. You can control your own growth and everything. And so waking up every day and grabbing onto that control and then just taking in what's happening with the world as information, and being able to decipher the difference. I think that it starts there, especially during times right now. Um, and then the next step is, you gotta think small. And even for people that run uh, large scale, multi-million dollar businesses, small is still key because there is so much abundance out there. And if we mm-hmm. choose to put ourselves in a place where we wanna grow something, and we start to think about scope of abundance too much, then we're never really clear on where we should focus our time for where we actually should grow. And so what that looks like to somebody today that's sitting in a desk job, maybe they don't like write down something that you care about or that you want to do, or maybe something that you want to do as a child that you still kind of think about that you haven't started. And then just write down like two things that are associated with what it would look like to start building towards that. You want to become uh, a writer, then just think about writing a paragraph once a day. Then think about the next week, writing uh, two paragraphs and then start building a blog. Like it it happens incrementally. Mm -hmm. You want to own a business? Think about what the makeup is as far as uh, do I want to be somebody that uh, owns a business because I'm not very good at like the management process, the design, the communication, but I'm great at trying to inject like Uh, advice and influence on how to help something grow or do I want to actually operate my own thing and if I do then I have to kind of build in a process right now which is when I wake up every day I have these things that help me drive myself and I focus on at least accomplishing one a day and I think I think I may or may not have shared this with you the one time but there's like this really short cool uh, YouTube video out there by uh, a young kid and it's called no zero days And I would just focus on that. The concept is literally wake up. Whatever you wrote down is what you want to make a change in for your life. Do one thing towards that and make it no zero days for the rest of your life. And I think you'll be happy where you end up.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I'll maybe put a link in the sh- in the description if I find it and uh you know wherever I post this to. So that's awesome. Is there anything you want to say uh to the audience, any advice you want to give? And then also where can people find you? Where can people look you up if they want to book a speaking gig? Obviously it has to be virtually if it's uh, anytime soon. But uh how can they get a hold of you and, and anything last remarks, last thoughts, advice? Yeah,
1: uh There's one thing that uh, I practice in myself and then I teach my kids every day. uh, And it's one act of kindness. So I have a sticky note that I have stuck on my uh, computer here that reminds me that uh, my day is not complete unless I do one act of kindness uh, for somebody else. And every day we sit down at the dinner table with the kids, I ask them the same question. And the reason that you do that is I get a lot of questions like most specifically around like parenting and things like that around how can we get our kids to uh, not grow up with um, hiding mistakes and blame and and treating others poorly or whatever it is. And I always land on one act of kindness because if they wake up every day before they complete their day and they do one thing to help somebody else, then they're at least in a mental state of helping somebody with gratitude And that immediately changes any other feelings they have angry, aggression, depression, whatever it is. It changes it in that moment. And if you build a practice on that, then I feel like it helps build people, build that character. So one act of kindness is something powerful that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then where you can find me, um, I have my own personal website. If you're curious on what I write about or speak about, it's uh, Troy-Rice.com. And then our uh, platform is uh, farmbridge.com if you're curious about agriculture space. And that's B-R-I-G-G-E. It's an old English version of bridge. Uh, so there's some uniqueness there. Um, but I, like you mentioned, I'm not traveling anywhere to speak right now. But if you are <laughs> curious and just having conversations or anything, I'm always down um, for a Zoom call or a video call or anything like that. So uh, please reach out to me anytime.
0: Awesome, Troy. Thank you so much. Your act of kindness is—I uh, love it. You're helping me. You're helping our audience. I think you'll impact someone with your story. I know I've learned a couple of things. I'm gonna—I wrote down some notes in front of me. You can't really see, um, but I'm gonna take some of your advice and, and try it out. Maybe in 30 days, I'll let you know how it goes. My small change, and then the small change as I move down the line of the year. So that's awesome. Uh, thank you so much. I'm just curious, what does it say behind you? Is this you're awesome? You're what?
1: Yeah, so I always have this post. So just uh, a tiny backstory, which is um, Seth Godin. If if anybody's familiar with who Seth Godin is, a well-renowned marketing guru, wrote a lot of books. He created a program called the Alt-MBA, which I was fortunate to participate in. And throughout the Alt-MBA, a lot of it is like Zoom-led discussion calls, group calls, cohort groups. So I created this poster back then, but then I share it with a podcast and everything. And all it says is, you are freaking awesome. (laughs) And it seems so simple and it puts a smile on your face, but literally like we can go through our whole days with grinding out work, um, spending time with family, whatever. And we get to the end of the day and then we go to sleep and we get up and we do it again. Mm -hmm. Just stop and remind yourself how freaking awesome you are. Yeah. Type of physiology that puts back into your body. And so um, I, I advocate for that. I also advocate for high fives. I think high fives are, are awesome.
0: <laughs> virtual high five, virtual high five. <laughs> I do something similar uh, you know I, I grew up playing rugby and we also and if you are any team sport you always do a cheer you always get excited uh, right before the game and you always get pumped and as silly as that sounds like I do that like um I, I haven't been doing it lately and I should and I, I think I'm gonna get back into that but I literally psych myself up for the day yeah. And uh, it, it does, it gets your blood boiling and you can't really scream if it's like 6, 7 a.m. But you can look yourself in the mirror and get excited any way you want. Either it's high-fiving, you're freaking awesome. But I, I, I love that. Troy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, again, uh, reach out to Troy on LinkedIn. He's on all social channels, I believe. And his website, I'll put in the description of uh, this episode. Thank you so much. This is the Making It Podcast. And uh, we're signing out. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you, buddy.